You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. All right, Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards and brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Try 2for1pizza's new goat pizza with goat cheese and mozzarella, crispy bacon strips, and red onion finished with their delicious balsamic glaze. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia Tasheri and Mike DiStefano with you for another hour. Leafs had uh, a forgettable performance versus the Vancouver Canucks this weekend, but we're being forced to remember it because John Tavares is wearing gray at practice, Ryan O'Reilly not out there for practice, and, and we're looking at the cap and we're making assumptions and we're waiting patiently to hear from head coach Sheldon Keefe as to what the heck is going on with the Leafers. We're going to have Claire Hyanna on in the next couple of minutes and she'll tell us what the heck is up with the Ottawa Senators because they are buzzing just buzzing right now, five-game heater. Um, and just have the best vibes around them in the whole league. Since January 25th, only the Carolina Hurricanes have a better win percentage than them. They have a better win percentage than the Boston Gosh Darn Bruins. That's possible? Like, that's a strong sample size. That's like six weeks, yeah. January 25th. Like That is a really strong sample size. And like that's a team that's played some really good hockey lately. And back on Jan 25, if you ask Sense fans, hey, you think you're going to make the playoffs? I bet you 80% of them, maybe even more, would say, no. Like this Again, we got ourselves caught early, didn't play well enough, lost a lot of points early on in the season, just like they had done years prior. And then all of a sudden, they go on this six-week tear, and I think they're, what, three points out of a playoff spot now? Yeah. Like they are very much in contention here. Like this is, and a they've team. got a couple games in hand on the Isles too. Yep. I think based on what I was looking at this morning, but Buffalo and Ottawa both going to be problems. The Senators too. Like the problem with them is, I was looking. They got the fourth hardest schedule down the stretch. So if they make the playoffs with the fourth hardest schedule down the stretch, I mean that's a team that deserves to be there. And you want to know maybe a spicy take, a hot take that I would have? Tell uh, me. So ultimately, they probably end up taking on the Boston Bruins, right? If they if they sneak in there with that final wild card spot, they got Boston. I don't think it'd be a waste of eight days. They have well, they have the best. They're the, the only, only team, team with a winning with a record, winning record against the Boston Bruins. Against the Boston Bruins this year, not so to beat say them twice. Yeah, so they're two and one against them. Yeah. The one of them being a, an overtime win. Right. And not to say that I think they're going to win the series. I still think Boston would win it, but I don't think it'd be a waste of eight days. I think the Sens, they're as pest. They're just such a pesky bunch. I'd throw a sprinkle on the Sens in that series. Ooh, really? Well, I mean, I'd throw thirty bucks at it because the odds are going to be insane. They would and- be insane. That would be like. Of all the teams, right, all the teams that are out there who are vying for this wild it's card like spot. So as that's perfect Pittsburgh. as it gets, though. Like, imagine the Sens squeak in and they're the one team in the entire NHL that actually has a winning record against the Boston Bruins. Like, it, that's pretty storybook in terms of the way the, the playoff series might shake out. Like, that could be... Because it's Boston, you assume it's not going to get into their heads. Of but, course. like, what if it is? Like, okay, this we got to play against this team because they come to play against us. Yeah. And you start, you know, thinking too much, gripping your stick, and all of a sudden the Ottawa Senators are, are going to be in games against Boston. Yeah. I, I don't think it's inconceivable to think that they could at least give them a series. I, I wouldn't go as far to, to bet on it, despite how good the odds would a be. A sprinkle but, is different than hey, a bet. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. A little sprinkle. Hey, yeah. I appreciate the sprinkle. I do like a good sprinkle, <laughs> but uh, I'm just looking. Boston, 
know what their goal differential is right now? Holy, I haven't looked at this, I guess, in a couple of weeks. 105. Oh, my God. Plus 105 goal Triple digits? Triple digits goal differential for the Boston Bruins. Oh, my God. That is God. disgusting. Yeah. Ottawa Senators, plus six. You know what? Good for them. <laughs> They're chipping away at it. But yeah, like to your, like if there is if there is one team who I think could at least make it a series between the Islanders, the Penguins, the the Sabers, Ottawa, Florida, Washington's out of it now, although they're still in it technically based off of points and points percentage. But of those teams that are still vying for that wild card spot, like I do look at Ottawa saying I think they could give Boston the biggest run for the money. I, I still don't think they'll win the series, but they at least could make it a series and not be a waste of eight days like uh, Nashville had last year when they rolled into Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Waste of eight days. Wouldn't be that, even though this Boston team is kind of unlike we, anything we've ever seen before. I forget who I was talking to on Friday, and Juggernauts. that Tampa team came up, the Tampa team from 2018. Yeah, we were talking about it. on. Who did we have on on Friday? CJ. Right. Talking about with CJ? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I was talking about it with CJ in person, too, when I saw him on the other side. But not inconceivable, these historic teams falling randomly in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so it's an appropriate time to bring in our TSN Sens reporter and the host of Snack Center, Claire Hanna. How are we, Claire? Snack Center. <laughs> Julia and Mike, I am full. Okay, I was hangry that day, but Snack Center saved the day. Yeah, okay, so I have to inform Explain. our viewers. Center, I always please. feel bad for our bureau reporters on trade deadline day because, I don't know, like, they got to wake up so early. You got to hang out basically by yourself, Claire, and we're all hanging here. Like, do you get a little bit of FOMO? Uh, yeah, but hold on. Do you guys get pizza delivered? Because I'm always concerned that I'm missing out on some beef. No, so the food is like, bad. Well, I... The food is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to yeah, be honest. It is lonely. It's and, beef you know jerky. what? I'm seeing the footage of you guys all like having this little party in the studio, and I'm like, what are we missing out on? Are there inside jokes? Like, yeah, there's FOMO. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's why I hope you got FOMO from all my good snacks. We did. So you and Bruce put together your own thing. They had a whole snack spread going for Snack Center instead of Trade Center on the desk in Ottawa. It was incredible. I love that. What was the go-to yeah. snack? Well, okay, I would call it more like a shark. You would have liked bread. it. Ooh. We had like we had some brie. Oh, we had some really good Gruyere. The Gruyere was the hit. Um, nice, like, different types of crackers. Like, you know, those crackers that have the nuts and the seeds and the, and the berries, like, actually oh, yeah. into the crackers. Oh, we had those... And then, I mean, like, Bruce, I mean, I hope he's listening. I'm going to kind of throw him under the bus. Like, he just brought fruit screwers. Wow. And, 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 like, two muffins. Okay, sorry. And two sandwiches. He Okay, he did his job. He did stuff. But, like, I feel like mine was more charcuterie-centered, and his was, like, kind of, like, little meals. But it was great. And I even had kombucha, too. Wow. You carried the team on Snack Center Day, and, and you're out there carrying the team in Ottawa, our, our TSN Sens reporter, Claire Hanna. <laughs> and, like, what a time it is to be alive in Sens Nation right now, Claire. Can you just start by telling us about Saturday night and the whole experience? Jacob Chikrin makes his debut at the Canadian Tire Center. There's We Want Ripped Playoff Chances. <laughs> like, it was, just seemed like an incredible night. I'm trying to think of what part was the most exciting. Was it... When he took Jacob Chikrin takes his first shift, so he he was playing on a defensive pairing with Eric Brandstrom, the third technically third pairing, and so he gets out there maybe two or three minutes into the game um, on a face off, and he skates out, and the place erupts. Like people started to stand up, 
And I remember asking him about this after the game, and he said he didn't know why people were, were cheering. He thought maybe something was on the Jumbotron, and then he realized it was kind of for him, and he said he felt, like, nervous. It made him nervous. Aww. It was the cutest response ever. Um, that was one moment that stood out to me as a, a goosebumpy moment. When he scored his first goal, the place went nuts. And then, as you already mentioned, in the third period, they started, like, the whole section beside me and then it kind of spread to the whole Canadian Tire Centre started chanting we want playoffs and you kind of like you stood back and you thought okay has has this moment arrived where this team it's truly playing meaningful games but can they can they get back to the 2017 style playoffs like who knows but it was belief for I'd say one of the first times this season which is pretty cool. Well, you look at the record since January 25th, second best of the entire National Hockey League, 781 win percentage. Like, what's been different, like, on the ice? How do they look different? How are they winning these games? Like, what look? What makes you think this could be a playoff-like season? I've, I've been trying to put my finger on this, Mike, and um, this is going to sound so ridiculous, <laughs> but I tweeted out, remember there was this 15-minute conversation? It was during practice. I think it was January 23rd. And after practice, DJ Smith, Claude Giroux, and Alex Debrinkit had this 15-minute conversation by the whiteboard. And as media, you know, like, that's not normal. We, we noticed it after five minutes. And then we noticed after 10, and then we're like, what are they talking about? We throw things around. Like, they're debating if you should have pineapple on pizza. Like, who's going to get a spray? Like, we are joking about this stuff. But that, after that, they've, I think they've gone 12, 3, and 1. And it was, like, I'm not putting all of, all of the momentum on this conversation, but I think there was a, a, a moment in the season where they're like, okay, we, we really need to make a push. That's also when Ridley Gregg got um, called up from the AHL and made his NHL debut. He played with Claude Giroux and I think it was um I think it was Alex Debrinkit as well. And like they kind of got things going and this momentum just started to build. And, you know, you win a couple games, they believe it a little bit more. Um and I think I think that's like it's just continued. And then they won the two games against Detroit, which really put them in the playoff pack because they needed to make points up against their divisional rival. And so it's it's just I don't know, it's like a train that's not slowing down, and I'm really interested to see what happens now um, after Chicago's game, but as they head on that road trip uh, through the Western Division. Yeah, I loved your question to Pierre Dorian and his answer, too. You, you asked him kind of what he thought the TSN turning point was, and he pointed to that game against Boston. Like, do you find it, AB and I were just talking as we were bringing you new in, do you find it interesting that the Senators are the only team with a winning record against Boston this year? Like, is that just storybook if they sneak in? Yeah, oh, I lo- and I love that you brought that up, the fact that it was a loss that made Dorian yeah. turn into a buyer. But when I think about um, the first game of the year, or, sorry, the first time they hosted Boston was, I believe, their, I think it was actually their home, home opener. opener. Yeah, yeah, and they won that game. And, I mean, that back then, like, it was only Boston's third game of the season, so we didn't know that Boston was going to be just this like, juggernaut this year. Um, but when they won that game, it was like vibes, you know. It was really, it was yeah. a really positive feeling. And then they went to win four in a row. And then um, I, they beat Boston once on the road, and that was crazy too because I think that came at a point where they weren't doing very well. And I, I think that might have like ignited their belief. And I know they lost to Boston recently, but I remember watching that game, and it wasn't the same feeling as many of their other defeats where they let things slip away or where they just didn't play up. 
they played so well and lost to a team that was, you know, that is playing this incredible level of hockey. And so I don't, I, I think it was kind of like a funny time for Pierre Dorian to change his tune, but it also doesn't surprise me at all because even on Twitter, you could see all these people being like, whoa, like they played so well against Boston. So you knew Sens fans were happy despite the loss. With Claire Hanna out in uh, Edmonton, our TSN, uh, Edmonton, Ottawa, our <laughs> TSN Sens reporter. Um, on Ryan Rashog on us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Claude Giroux, Tim Stutzla, and Brady Kachuk. Those three gentlemen, I think, are, are kind of the three guys leading the charge here over the course of the last little bit. What, what impact individually would you say that those two have had, or those three have had, rather, on this team and what we've seen from uh, the group of late? Okay, all three have had totally different impacts, in my opinion. Um, and I was, I was really thinking of Claude Giroux on the Saturday night because, to me, he might be at the heart of this turnaround because of what he brings in terms of leadership. And I don't even think we as the media see half of it, but just, um, like, you know, he's up at that whiteboard sometimes with players on the ice at practice. Like, he has invented a play that they're going to try on the on the power play. You know, it's like, and he's he's telling these guys how to do it. Even just the way he acts on the bench sometimes, like so focused in on the play or a fight, and guys see that. Like they, they react to how Claude Giroux, um, you know, is in terms of his maturity. And so I think he's been massive. I, I know you also mentioned Tim Stutz, but like he's just, he's been blossoming since I started covering the Senators, which was last season, but has totally found a new gear here as the top line center you know like he is he is playing with big dogs every night and not showing like he 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 belongs you know like he's he's kind of arriving and then um i think the third one you said was brady right right or was it alex to brinkett brady yeah and he's he's like the way he plays so physically but he also i think he still is the point leader with the senators and it's funny because he kind of goes under the not under the radar he gets a lot of points but because he's so physical you always think of him just being that physical role, but he's a points getter too. So he's kind of, you know, ticking a lot of different boxes and leading as well. So you're you're just seeing this young team that for so long it's been like, oh, look at the potential, look what they could be. Well, now they're they're starting like the horizon. They're on the dawn of the horizon. Like this this day is beginning. So how long how long can they keep it going? I don't know. That sounded like a Japanese proverb. I, I like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the mood around the team in general? Like, they just seem like a really tight group yeah. with this good mix of grizzled vets and, and these young guys who are up and coming. Have you noticed a, a shift in, in kind of the mood around the group over the past month or so that they've been winning? Well, it's interesting you bring this up because I think they've always been determined. And when they had the slump in November, they were they were pissed off and they admitted that too. But one thing that's actually impressed me is throughout this stretch, they haven't gotten too high. And I think that if they were a really young and immature group, they could get over their heads and be like, oh my gosh, it's like so exciting, holy crap. But they're, they're, they're taking this like a little more gently, which I think is showing that they know there's still a lot of work to get done and they don't want to get ahead of themselves because that really psychologically might cost them. So they, I think it's cool that they're just taking this one game at a time. But I think there's like the, the one shift I see is the belief. Like they believe they can get into the playoffs, and that's really powerful. So we'll see if they can maintain that. 
Do you think that playoffs are necessary for the season to be success, or do you think the fact that they put themselves in this race and will be playing meaningful games in March is is good enough to call this season a win? I actually do think it's good enough to call the season a win because they, at the beginning of the year, there was never a mention of the the goal being playoffs. It was always playing meaningful years, or years, meaningful games at the end of the season, and they have put themselves back in this playoff picture. So I think it's already like they have achieved win. It's going to be disappointing, no doubt, if they don't make the playoffs. But I think if they can at least sustain this. So um, we, were, we were crunching the numbers um, during trade, or I mean, stacks on our trade center, whatever right. we're going to call it. <laughs> we we're crunching the numbers on what they needed to do. And I think right now they need to go 13, 6, and 1 if they want to make the playoffs. Pierre Dorian thought 95 points was the magic number for their team. Mm. And that would mean, at this point, going, yeah, 13, 6, and 1. So if we kind of keep an eye on that as this kind of progresses and if they're in the hunt, that's exciting. But, uh, yeah, anyways, going back to your question, I think this should be considered a win given how they've really overcome a, a really bad start to the season and gotten themselves back into it. That's really all fans wanted and could ask for. Yeah. Well, that, to me, would be a bonus. It's true. They look down and out for for a portion there. AB and I were poking around the strength of schedule, Claire. Does does that scare you? I'm sure you've looked at uh, how difficult the path is for Ottawa down this last stretch of the season. Uh, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> like they've got Boston again. They've got Toronto. They've got Florida. They've got Tampa. And I know Tampa's in a slump right now. But they've just got teams that have um, been tested you know, in the past few years that have playoff experience, that have tasted it and know what it's like to get to the postseason. And they're going to be so hungry to get back there because you know the Toronto Bay Police want to, you know, get past the first round, get a cup. You know Tampa Bay wants to get back to that Stanley Cup final for the fourth time. Like, and I don't know if that's going to be too much for the Senators to handle, but what's crazy about a young team is, like, they've got, they're playing with house money. Like, they kind of have nothing to lose, and so that makes them scary because these other teams, they have everything to lose. So... That's going to be interesting psychologically. Like, I just think the psychology of all this is really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. looking. They got Boston. They got Carolina twice. They got the Devils. They got Toronto twice. They got Tampa twice. And then out west, they still got a game against a uh, playoff team in the Seattle Kraken. So that's that's good for the and fourth. And the Oilers. And they got the Edmonton. So that's good for the fourth hardest schedule Oof. remaining down the stretch. So if Ottawa does sneak in, damn, that's well-earned. Absolutely well-earned. And uh, should position themselves to to have themselves, you know, at, at least I think a decent decent series against the Boston Bruins. Um, I'm curious, Claire. We're sitting here and we're thinking in Toronto. We had a conversation about goaltending. How much of a factor <laughs> is goaltending going to play though into what happens with the Ottawa Senators the rest of the season? Yeah. That's ooh, that's a good one. It's going to be a, a big factor. Mad Sogard, I think he's now only had five or six starts this season, and he's not lost in regulation yet. But he's still that young goaltender that, like I would argue, he hasn't really been tested. You know, on that on that grind of the travel and all that stuff at the NHL level. So we'll see if he can maintain. I mean, so far so good. And then Cam Talbot's been like a, a bit streaky. He's been up and down, but. What I think is optimistic about him is he bounces back, right? He might have a bad game, but then he still continues to deliver. And he's just, he's 
he's like kind of a Claude Giroux type in the in the locker room too, just with the veteran experience. He's been to the playoffs lots of times. So even if he might not be bringing it on the ice, I think in the locker room he's doing things. It's funny, I was talking to Mad Sogard in the locker room yesterday, or maybe two days ago, and he said that um, during their game in New York, I think Mad Sogard was starting that game. He, or, or no, sorry, Mad Sogard was um, on the bench in that game. Cam Talbot was starting. Mm-hmm. But Mads asked Cam Talbot something. He, he needed to ask him some questions and in intermissions just about how he was feeling. And he was scared to ask Cam because Cam was like obviously in the middle of starting a game. But he said he was fine answering everything and he was just like so chill and down to earth. And Mads loved that he could just ask him whatever about his experience and learn from him. And I thought that was really cool because I don't know how goalies function. Like sometimes you even talk to them in the locker room yeah. in intermission. But then he was totally open to share advice and wisdom with Mads Sogard. So, I mean, I think that, that bodes really well for the tandem right now. Well, Claire, really appreciate you taking the time as always. It's a fun time to be uh, covering Seriously? the Senators. I mean, I, I feel bad because uh, the five years prior probably wasn't a whole lot of fun. But now, since you've been there, they've been a spunky team. It's Pretty true, good Claire. Group. You're the difference maker. You're the difference maker no, at the end of the I day. It's all Claire Hannah. <laughs> I came in at the right time. <laughs> you did. You absolutely did. And hopefully it's it's a fun final Final uh, final stretch is what twenty or so games left. They got maybe nineteen games, and we'll see if they can sneak into a playoff spot. But certainly, good hockey being played right now down in Ottawa. Uh, really appreciate taking the time, Claire. We'll chat again soon. Thanks, Julia and Mike. There she goes, Claire Hanna, TSN Sens reporter in Ottawa, not Edmonton, in Ottawa. Well, I think I felt like you were going like Sens. It sounded like Edmonton. Like you really could have passed that one off. That was. You, you sold yourself out there. Yeah, ah, you know. Sometimes you gotta call yourself out. It's you true. know, like I, I, I made the mistake. I called myself out. Accountability. Yeah. We're all about accountability on the show. So remember last Thursday when I missed, or maybe it was this Thursday before when we had that International Women's Day shoot, and we'll get to yes. finally see all these photos in the next couple of days. But Claire drove from Ottawa to Toronto for this shoot that features mm. all of TSN's female talent. Uh, it's gonna be cool when you guys see it. But she, it was kind of last minute. She, there was a snowstorm too that day, and the driving was kind of dicey. And she didn't have a dog sitter, so she brought her dog Hank to the shoot, <laughs> and it was awesome. We were all, we all got uh, a doodle of sorts. Gotcha. I don't know what kind of little, doodle. Little doodle of no, a big doodle, like a like a oh, like a labradoodle type of thing. Maybe. Yeah. It didn't look full lab size. Like I'd say, like a medium sized doodle. Yeah. But Hank was awesome. We all got to take turns walking. He was sitting in the makeup room with us. He sat so well for a couple photos. It was great. <laughs> That's fun. Hank was like this. Hank and Tessa's two kids were the stars of the day. <laughs> shout out, shout out, Hank. Actually, I saw. I watched a little bit of the. Uh, the bar downstream that you guys did on Trade Center, Marissa brought her dog. Oh, yeah, she did. Marissa <laughs> didn't have a dog. It was Claire Hannah that inspired her. She She's was like, like yeah. I don't have a dog sitting there. I'm just going to bring her. Right into the workplace. I feel like Why that's, not? Honestly, though, like that's become more of, and I think also like since the pandemic, pets in the workplace, I feel like, has become much more relaxed. Yeah. Pets and like even uh, like Tessa had to bring her kids. Like there was nobody to watch them. It was that last minute thing. Is. Life has gotten more flexible, AB. Yeah. Good thing, I think. It is a good thing. You're right. Although, she was uh, she was talking about Cam Talbot and like when Mad Sogard worried to talk to him in the middle of his uh, in the middle of his start and it reminded me of a time and I, Jose Batista uh, who actually is being put into the level of excellence for the Blue Jays which is amazing all time great for uh, for this team everybody also will always remember the uh, the the home run that he hit the bat flip but I remember the first 
professional game that I ever covered in sports. I happened to be in Los Angeles, and I got credentialed to go and cover the Jays and uh, and the Angels for the Canadian Baseball Network. And I I was told, don't talk to A, Russell Martin, and do not talk to Jose Batista before the game. Don't talk to Joey. They don't want to be talked to before the game. They will look at you and scream at you if you even try and say hello to them. Yeah. So it's like pregame, they're locked in, they're dialed in. Afterwards, go ahead. They got their post-game scrum. But pregame, don't, it's, it's the starting pitcher, Russell Martin, and Jose Batista. Do not talk to him. Yeah, so. anyone who fits under the freak status. Like I saw Connor Bedard was taking some heat this morning. There's a video of him dodging out some kids before a yeah. game. But uh, like don't these kids are going don't for fist me. bumps, <laughs> and, and he's like clearly holding his stick in the air. He doesn't like his stick or his d- gloves touched before games by anyone That's but his equipment like, manager. He just like don't. It's like a superstition in a way. Yeah. So I remember from World Juniors because I was doing social there, and I was yeah. trying to get videos of all the guys' tape jobs and their sticks, and like everybody's got custom stuff. And everybody had two stick, and I thought before a game was a perfect time because they're all lined up waiting for them to go out for warm ups. Right. So I went over with my camera, and I'm obviously poking around for 16 stick and there's only one there which indicates to me that he has his game stick hidden somewhere so i went and asked i'm like hey can i see bedard's game stick i just want to take because he always doodles on his blade before games i just wanted to see what he'd done before he mucked it all up and they were like uh it was team canada's liaison and he was like i can but I, i can't go grab it because he's already put it down so i can't pick it up and i'm like okay weirdos like i'm gonna just go but superstitions and and those when those freak shows get dialed in you know yeah. i talk to them hey and look there's a reason why they got to where they're at right and connor bedard that dude's gonna get to some new new heights that's for uh that's for damn sure yeah he is one see what friday do, what do you put a hat trick on friday oh don't worry so regina went down three nothing early in the third period uh, to the winnipeg ice who have who are 37 and yeah they're unreal they've been number one chl top 10 all year and the best team in the chl they are 37 and 0 when leading after two periods this season so like I, it was three nothing in the thir- in the second early me and carlo kick our feet up we're like this is over gonzo connor says nah he gets a hat trick i think i i if i remember correctly it was 5-3 at the end of the game he assisted he got an they assist and four goals. Three? Yeah. He got four goals and an assist. Put and one the, was an empty netter. Put the team on your back, Connor. It was obscene. So, it was like a peak. Come on. Like eighth hat trick of the season or something. It was crazy. If you're uh if you're a parent or if you're an adult who's growing up, well, I guess people around our age, and uh, you plan on having children and you want them to be successful hockey players, just name Connor. Oh my gosh! Like just GTA teachers, in the next five years are going to have the hardest job in the country. They already have a really hard job, but they're going to have to have Connor C, Connor B, There's gonna Connor. Be four Connors in each yeah. class. It's just that's it. It's it. There are going to be four Connors in each and every single class, guaranteed minimum. I would love to see it. I have a question for now, you. It's going to happen. It's a. It's like a personality defining question. When there was another Michael in your class, were they your enemy or your friend? Uh, I don't think I looked at it as either. <laughs> Were you like the same? To I totally did. I was like, Julia, great. Now I've got competition. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I looked at it as a, a good But I know some people be like, oh my God, that's the same name as me. Where I'm like, Ugh, That was God. probably more so that. <laughs> yeah. Like when right. I run into another Michael, all right? And like like if I'm at a party or at a bar Didn't you or tell me one time like you I, got put into a Facebook group of all Michaels? 
No, I don't think that was me. Well, I don't some, know. Some other Michael, maybe. Someone else in this building. Somebody else did that. But, like, when I was at Carlo's birthday party a couple of weeks ago, I ran into a couple of people, and, you know, the one guy, actually, I think maybe Carlo's brother in law, and was introduced to myself. I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going, Mike? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I'm Mike also. I'm like, solid name, buddy. Yeah. Solid name. Yeah, I get, <laughs> I get excited when I meet It was only when it was, like, in Michael. the classroom, because, like, great, I've got nine months of this. This is my life, and now I'm Julia T. I gotta add yeah. my last name. I did. I mean, obviously, Michael's a very common name. You so always went Mickey, eh? That's the thing, yeah. though. Like, I always, I always went by Mickey, even at home. Like from birth, I always went as Mickey. So it, it didn't bother me because I was never Michael. Like even my teachers, like it was, it was always Mickey. So we had a couple of Michaels in my class growing up, but it never, like, it, that's not what anybody called me until until I got to university. Like nobody. Yeah. No one called me Mike or Michael or anything. So, and then I went to uni, became Mike slash Mikey, and here evolution. I am. And here I am at TSN, and it's it's Al's brother. <laughs> <laughs> You've come a long way. Yeah, I've come a long way. It's it's funny though. Like I, I actually was thinking about this the other day. Like if I, you know, if I'm lucky enough at some point get married, meet the girl of my dreams, and get married, I'll know exactly where I know this person from based off of how, what they call me, right? Like, yeah. my, what point in my life, right? Pre, like, high school, grade school, they're going to call me Mickey. Uni, it's all going to be Mike, and then anyone from, like, my professional ranks from, like, work, Calls you your very professional nickname. Very much going to be A.B. Al's brother that yeah. day. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. Actually. That's hilarious. Randomly. Random, <laughs> random shower thoughts that I had. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. Things going off the rails here. But uh, lots of stuff went down over the weekend and lots of follow from the NHL trade deadline also that was uh, talked about in multiple group chats. So what's in the group chat is coming up Let's next. Let's go. Year. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Whoa, 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 check this out. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? When it goes down. Are you texting? Oh, yeah. It goes down in the group chat. We have these big group texts. It's very late and my friend is a little unstable. We're talking action and overreaction. We sent 97 unanswered texts in a five-minute span. Leafs Lunch presents... My phone vibrated itself off the desk. What's in the group chat? This group is hotter than hot. I love that sting so much. Me too. It's a win. Shout out to Stauffer. Shout out. Julie Cherry, Mike DiStefano, Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Still waiting patiently to hear from head coach Sheldon Keefe at Leafs practice as to what's up with Ryan O'Reilly, what's up with John Tavares. Maybe we'll hear from John Tavares. But for now, we'll head to the group chat, A.B., um, some in the aftermath of the trade deadline, we always hear the rumblings as to what could have been and who could have gone where. And one of the things that surfaced in the past couple of days is um, Eric Carlson. A conversation was had, apparently, and I'm not surprised by this because we heard that Kyle Dubas was talking to literally everyone that had a player yep. and specifically a defenseman <laughs> available around the d- deadline. But before the Achari O'Reilly trade was made, he was talking to the San Jose Sharks about Eric Carlson. Um, and the text in the group chat, A.B., is Eric Carlson to the Leafs would have been fire. You go first. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 would, I would heart this text probably, and then I would answer something that your group chat would be like, and who's paying for that? Like, th- that's the thing. It would just kind of re 
would they even have been able to make it work this year? Even if San Jose had retained a whole bunch and, and they could make it work for this year, would it result in you losing your big guns or some of your big guns this summer? So, yeah, it's a dreamy thing to think of. Like, we talked about dream booking with Jackie Redmond. However, logistically, meh. Yeah, I, I thumbs down it, actually. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that Kyle did not go in this direction. It's a romantic thought. Well, it's just, it would have been an embarrassment of riches in, like, offensive players, right? And I thought the same thing with Edmonton. It's not what Edmonton needed. I thought they made the right call by going with Matias Ekholm as well. And I think Toronto made the right call, obviously not rolling with the Eric Carlson deal, and instead mm-hmm. realizing we can go and get Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari, Jake McCabe. They went and got all those pieces. If they went out and they got... Eric Carlson, they would not have been able to do that because Carlson making eleven and a half million bucks. There is no way that San Jose is retaining fifty percent of that money. You're probably not finding a broker team either, considering there's four more years left on that deal. So even if you found someone to retain, like let's say ten percent of what that would be, that'd be over a million bucks per season. Like that's almost five million dollars. What's that going to cost you for a team to do that? Probably a first. Like I doubt that would have even been a possibility. Some team willing to take on. Exactly. That much salary. Like, it was one thing to take on 25% of what was remaining on O'Reilly's deal. It was like a few hundred thousand, and it costs, you know, the least a fourth round pick. What would four million have cost, mm-hmm. right? So, I don't think that would have been the situation. So, yeah, it would have been so tough to maneuver and make it happen. So, I actually, I would have given this the thumbs down. I don't think it would have been fire at all because I think the Maple Leafs have a much better situation opting to go with Jake McCabe and opting to go with Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen, um, and the other characters, Achari and Lafferty and, and Eric Gustafson, over bringing in Eric Carlson. So I actually think that Kyle Dubas made the correct decision oh, and, and yeah. you know, further deep, deepen and strengthen the team as opposed to adding what is one of the most dynamic players. Like, sure, that would have been a big, splashy headline, but would it have put them closer to a Stanley Cup? No, I think what he ended up doing definitely puts them closer to Cup contender status Assuming that Ryan O'Reilly's injury is not uh, <laughs> very, very long term. Yeah, and, and hopefully we hear in the next couple of minutes here. Hopefully yeah. we hear before 2 o'clock when we're still talking to you guys. Oh, here we go with this. With this. this is the text in the group chat. All right. Tampa looks very beatable right now. This is finally the year Toronto wins around. So I'm not going to sit here and act like last night I wasn't sitting at my, um, well, first out, uh, first off, it's my brother's boyfriend's birthday today. So shout out to Taylor. Happy 29th birthday. Shout out to Taylor Lautner. Uh, yeah. Taylor Ham. Shout out to him. <laughs> um, but we were all at my boyfriend's mom's last night and we had the Carolina Tampa game on and I'm just kind of checking in on it periodically. I see Hedman go down behind the net pretty hard. He wasn't getting up. Yeah. And I was not sending any sort of vibe, but I was, my, my eyebrows were perked. I wasn't saying a word. They were looking beatable last night. They are looking beatable right now. They've been beat five times in a row. Uh, I'm never going to I'm never going to dog on Tampa. Like, I never am. To your point, A.B., they did this kind of last year. Yeah. They went through a little bit of a slump. Toronto slapped them one game. I think it was like 6-1. Game one, 5 nothing. Game one. No, not even in game one. Oh, in the midseason. Yeah. Yep, they did. Sometime yes. in March, and then there was another time they played them and where... Tampa slapped Toronto. Yeah, even though Toronto back. was up 4-1. I think yeah. I bet on that game. No, that was uh, a Florida game. Down. Was oh, a Florida that was game. the other, the yes. other Florida <laughs> like team. Like the night before or Right, right. Anyways, um... Sure, Tampa looks beatable right now. But I would answer this person in my group chat, and I would say, 
knock on wood, light some sage. Do not let that energy permeate your brain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hearting this. I'm hearting this. Okay. Giving this a heart. Why? You sound so worried. You act like I just jinxed the team. You're like, oh, you did it. You jinxed it. You <laughs> absolutely just killed the Maple Leafs. This desk game. is made of plastic. I can't even knock on it comfortably. Look, I was having this conversation, actually, with, with Steph last week. Tampa Bay is beatable. Tampa Bay is not as good a team as they were the three years prior. It's just a flat-out fact. Like, they're a team that's getting older at some point. At some point, they will hit a wall after going to three straight Stanley Cup finals. They will hit a wall. I'm not saying that it's now, but they will. And if that occurs, I mean, that, that could potentially happen this year. It could be happening right now. That said, even if they do get their second win, which I fully anticipate, and they'll be in fine form by playoff time, I just look at the roster, and they're just fundamentally not as good as they have been in years past. And last year was very much a coin flip series. I think Toronto has gotten better, yeah, and Tampa's gotten worse. So when you look at it as a coin flip, I think this is a chance for Toronto to finally get over the hump and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Ryan McDonough was a massive loss for this team. Massive loss for this team. Like, he was part of their shutdown D-pairing. Victor Hedman, I was looking at the numbers. You know, I know he went down to injury this past weekend. He has not been the same Victor Hedman this year. He's not even in the conversation when he looks at, at the Norris. No. Like, have you looked at what Victor Hedman's numbers have been recently? Not Victor Hedman-esque. Like, I think his expected goals was near three. Like, Three per 60, which is not what you expect out of Victor Hedman. He lost Jan Ruta, who was another... Like, they lost two pieces of their top four on their blue line. That's a lot. And then you think about they also lost Andre Palat, who was a playoff performer for that team. Playoff guy. I think next to Kucherov, I believe the last three years, Andre Palat is the number one scorer on that team. So you look at those three key losses in particular. You couple that with... At some point, they've just got to run into this wall and get tired. Um, and then it's a team that's aging also. Yeah. I think this is the year Toronto finally gets it. And that's not even talking about how much better Toronto is. Like, that's just going against Tampa. And then you look at what Toronto has done to match up against them and potentially put themselves in a position where they're better and can match up all the way through their lineup. For that reason, I love this. They're beatable. Toronto could do it. And I think this is the year that they do it. There's my statement. I know. I like it, A.B. I believe all of that, too. I, I hear all of what you're saying. Like, I just, I fear, I fear the universe. I fear curses. I did not fear the Montreal Canadiens two years ago. I did not fear Columbus in the bubble. And uh. for that reason, I will fear Tampa until Toronto is officially through them. Even if they're, like, up 3 nothing in the series or something like that. I will Completely still fair. fear them then. Completely fair. Because I am a damaged... Lover of the Leafs. <laughs> All right. One more. Last one. Which one do you want to do? Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Let's do let's, this one. Yeah, I agree. Sandine will be the new Mason Marchment for Leafs Nation. And in case you were tracking, uh, he played his first game for the Capitals this weekend. He had a hilarious quote after the game, something to the effect of, I had no idea what I was doing out there. I was just hoping for the best. He got three assists, and he played 21 minutes and 40 seconds. First Capitals defenseman in team history to have three-point debut. Um, Not bad. Okay, you go first on this one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm laughing at this. You know the ha-ha response, like when you click on oh, it? Oh, me too. Yeah, like that. That's I'm, I'm kind of laughing at this because Mason Marchman has very much become, like he's part of meme culture here in the, with the Maple Leafs. Yeah, right? and he let's, let's be clear, he's gone full circle 
when it comes to meme culture, you want to talk about memes? Like, everyone was crying last year when he had 47 points and 29 goals. Yeah. No one's crying now that he has 26 points. Haven't yeah. heard about that guy all year. Yeah, he's not doing much. You're, you're right. He's not doing much. But Rasmus Sandin has, oh, darn it. Three points off. I was hoping that Sandine had more points than him, but he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, as a defenseman, though, like that's that's definitely yeah, better, right. Like that's that's a better situation. Um, I'm I'm kind of laughing at this, right? It's like, probably this true, just, though. Well, like if just, this doesn't all go well, we say Sandine in a couple of years doing it. Uh, there was cut. never a doubt. It's a deep cut, right? Like he's Mason be a great player. It's always going to be a deep cut, and, and you, yeah, like Sandine. It's not like he's a he's he can't be a, a top four defenseman. I still think that there is. A place where Sandine becomes that good defenseman and realizes that potential. Play some power play time. Like he, yeah. He's a good defenseman. Sheldon Keefe said it himself when they did the trade. They were like, we just see this player as a more evolved version of Rasmus Sandine, And we need evolved Rasmus Sandine right now because this is when we right. want to win. Right. So there was never a doubt that he's going to be a great player. And, and yeah, I'm sure that we'll spend some time thinking about that Sarah McLaughlin song. <laughs> I will remember I will you about Rasmus Sandine. I'm sure we'll roll the tape about Rasmus Sandine, that crazy highlight video that the Capitals made about him. I'm chucking this in the group chat. You let me know really quickly. Pierre Engvall will be missed more than Rasmus Sandine. I block your number. <laughs> <laughs> good call. It's a good call. But, uh, you know, you know, I still, that's still a deep cut. I miss my man. I Pierre. know you do. Miss my I miss man his Pierre. beard too. It's a tough look with the bald face. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll come back. We'll see if we can get some audio for you guys. Sheldon Keefe uh, about to speak, so we'll see if there's any updates there. We do know that Ryan O'Reilly was not at practice. Uh, John Tavares was at practice, but skating in a gray sweater and stuck around after practice was the last forward off the ice uh, today. So we'll see what all that means. We'll see if we can uncover some more information for you guys uh, on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashari. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion, and it came down to the wire, guys, but finally Sheldon Keefe has provided an update on a couple things that we've been wondering about all practice long. The news is official on Ryan O'Reilly, and here it is from the horse's mouth. Oh, we having issues? Might be having some technical difficulties. We get the audio, and then now... I'm so upset, like I literally teed that up like I was James Duffy or something. All right. Let me know, Nick, if we end up getting it. We got it? Okay, let's uh, let's play here. So here's Shelly uh, Keith update on Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, he has a broken finger. He'll go on LTI. And, you know, in terms of the full diagnosis and, and timeline, we'll have a better idea of that. He's seeing a specialist, I think, as we speak back in Toronto right now. So we'll know more about it there. But obviously, I'm not sure exactly what the LTI timeline is, but he won't be eligible uh, for that period of time. And we'll uh, get him back up and running as soon as we can okay so bad news and the verdict our producer steph asked us the question so i'll I'll put it to the people and i'll put it to the air is this worst case scenario no it's not worst case scenario the problem is we don't know exactly the extent of the injury though yeah because it'll there's still more information because if he does need to get surgery then yes i would say that's very bad yeah we had uh mike johnson earlier in the show or our player perspective of the day and he told us 
broken fingers generally two to four weeks if you don't need surgery, but if you require surgery, that could get a little bit longer. So Ryan O'Reilly officially a broken finger and will go to the LTIR. He also provided... Well, that means, before we move on yep. to Tavares, that does mean that because he's on LTIR, he has to miss at least 10 games yep. and 28, uh, 24 days. So we know that we're going to be missing Ryan O'Reilly for quite quite some time. Uh, so that, that does also mean that. Uh, and as for John Tavares, who we saw skating in a gray sweater today, here's the update from Sheldon Keith moments ago on the captain, JT, and his status. John's just, just not feeling himself today, um, not feeling great, uh, but wanted to skate and see exactly where he's at, and, and he got through it and was feeling a little bit better than he had thought, but I think just more so for him, uh, out of an abundance of caution, we'll, we'll leave him out of, out of the lineup for tomorrow and get him ready for Saturday. So that's what we kind of speculated about John Tavares after the beating that he took on Saturday night in Vancouver with those couple big hits, that one particularly from Myers. So nothing crazy to sound the alarms about, but we won't see him tomorrow night in Jersey. No. Although, in addition not to feeling that, himself. We'll not feeling himself that. is a hilarious thing to say, and the next time I don't like my outfit before I go out and I don't want to go, I'm going to play that clip from Sheldon Keefe to my friends in the group chat. Not feeling I'm not myself. feeling myself, and no. I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, a, t- a couple of tough, tough little news nuggets that we got out of the Leafs. Uh, Coming here just moments ago. So no Ryan O'Reilly for the next little bit. He heads to LTIR with a broken finger. We'll find out the extent of that broken finger. He is currently in Toronto, and they're figuring out exactly how much damage there is there. And then uh, you just heard from Sheldon Keefe, John Tavares. Will not play tomorrow. They'll reevaluate his status, but he just doesn't feel right, whatever that means. But uh, So Sam Lafferty playing in his role as the 2C, as we saw in practice today. So uh, we'll come back tomorrow. We will recoup, and we will uh, try and tee up that game for you all, Leafs and uh, Leafs and Devils, which will be on TSN4. But that does it for us today. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on tsn50.ca, the Art Radio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Gameplay with Matt Cause coming up next.